jinkies. Oh, what's that gross book made out of skin? It's not a book. It's a tome made out of skin. Ew. What's it say? Behold the collected apocrypha of Stacy Ponder, the writer for Final Girl. And Anthony Hudson, the programmer for Queer Horror. And together they are... Oh my god! Don't read it out loud! Don't read it out loud! of Darkness! Welcome, everyone. To Stately Gaylord's Manor. Oh. If this is your first visit. Or your manyth visit. <clears throat> Welcome. Where's the where's the rolly chair that we get strapped into that takes us down the to the funhouse? The rolly chair? Is it well not not like a not like a wheelchair. Not not a rolly chair, but like, you know, the, the with the buggy. What are those called? The, the 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 it's like haunted mansion. Do you know what I'm talking about? Haunted mansion. Call me when you figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> the funhouse yeah. car. Is that right. what? It, what's yeah. It called? What's it called? Not a wheelie chair. A rolly chair. It's well at its chair. reduced to its most basic essence. Oh God, here we it's are. It's a I'm rolly chair. A minute in, we were <laughs> fighting. <laughs> as you can see countdown to mama moo wait <laughs> rapture countdown to rapture month continues because mama moo draws ever closer they are here in these united states right now i uh, feel it i feel the moo moo energy some of you have seen them yeah that's crazy this is so exciting we have so long to wait still we have so long to wait. It'll happen. This movie that we're going to talk about today, and then one more movie. Oh! And then we're at Mama Moo. Oh! We are raptured. Uh, and then I assume everything is blissful. Yeah, it's just, it's Nirvana. It's it's Rainbow Bridges. It's long dead loved ones and gay K-pop. Yes. So that's why this is Countdown to Rapture Month. Some people question it when they just see it out in the wild. Why is this countdown to Rapture Month? Well, that's why. Uh, we're continuing on our doomsday path. Yeah, we've got our Nikes on. We're looking at comments. <laughs> oh, today's movie. 10 Cloverfield Lane. What do you think about 10 Cloverfield Lane, Stacey? I, we've both referenced this together, but I don't know if we've ever really talked about it very much. Right. I enjoy it. I like yeah. this movie. Uh, 2016. Oh my, my God. God. Was there ever such a time? Eons. Eons. It really is like a previous, like 2016 is such a delineating year for oh. for the world, but definitely here in this country, right? Like, it, it's Well, just, it's like, you know, it's like, it's like me, like how, you know, in, in a certain fandom we trace time with before the Battle of Yavin. <laughs> and after you know what i mean and uh for me this is very much like 2016 is very much that yub yub <laughs> thank you as i say happy life day <laughs> <laughs> anyway though yeah i like this movie i'm not wild about cloverfield the original besides aside from lizzie kaplan of course oh man 
Uh, and I like the idea of, you know, found footage kaiju kind of thing or, you know, alien invasion, all that. But the movie, the execution of the movie, I didn't like the characters. I didn't care. Cloverfield is weird in that we are obsessed with found footage. And I think it's the one movie we never reference in the legacy of found footage. <laughs> I've only seen it once, one time. I had a I had a moment where I was really into it. Uh, I think, well, when it came out, what was that? 2006 or some shit? 2008? Um, uh, uh, literally 100,000 years ago. And yeah, I, I, I really was into it. But in the end, I mean, I haven't seen it pretty much since then. And really, Lizzie Kaplan was my only takeaway. But it's, I could, I could see that. It's, it's big budget. It's CGI. For me, found footage is, uh, I like a lo-fi found footage. I like a grassroots found footage, I guess. So this one is not found footage. No. Uh, according to some legends, this didn't even start out as a Cloverfield movie. It was something else. And then they tacked on the Cloverfieldness to it. <laughs> Just so curious about. Uh, but then according to other legends, it was always meant to be part of the Cloverfield uh, cinematic universe, if you will. Weird. So believe what you will, I suppose. Hmm. I, I find it strange, though. That if it, if it, if it, one way or the other, if it is the, they find scripts and curate them into Cloverfield films. I just am curious if that's a disservice in any way. To the script or to Cloverfield or to Yeah, just to Cloverfy things. Like, uh, imagine, I don't know, you write a movie and you're proud of it and you're like, it's, you know, Basement Captive, the movie. And then, and then next thing you know, it now is a Cloverfield. Right. Just seems a little weird. Especially because... I, but but that's the same time. And I haven't seen Cloverfield Paradox, the third one. Me either. Uh, I've not heard good things. I've I've read a little bit about it, and from what I can tell, none of them are connected, though. Right. It's just they're they're taking the Halloween to Halloween three approach with Cloverfield or something. Right. So I guess something that I did read was like, well, they thought, well, it's a, it's an easier way to market films that otherwise might not be seen is to put the Cloverfield name on it. So I guess I could see that. But in the end, I'm like, what makes a Cloverfield movie a Clover <laughs> alien? Right. An alien shows up and it's big. People say, oh, explosion, nature, space, weird. These are all questions I have, but alas. I mean, they do it with Hellraiser movies all the time, where it's like, this clearly was had nothing to do with Hellraiser. And then at the end, Pinhead is like, oh, it's got sights to show you. Welcome to my MMO. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you're fully right. You know, that kind of thing happens, I suppose. But right, what makes these all Cloverfield movies? I, I would think this, if people saw the first one and then saw this, thinking it was some kind of a sequel or whatever, and then... You get a little, some alien action at the very end of the movie, but otherwise it's a three-character thriller set in a basement. Bunker. Yeah, it's theater, essentially. Right. The, uh, there are aliens as well, yes, but they're also not the alien from the movie, the last one, The Cloverfields, which is... So then Anthony in 2016, sitting there watching this, not knowing that the entire world is about to be upended... <laughs> <laughs> uh says oh so this is how it started and then the oh wait no that's not the why is this called cloverfield i guess i guess what i'm what i end up with in the end is 
I don't dislike it. It did get me to see the movie. It got maybe perhaps got the movie made. But when I say, what is benefit? What do we gain by seeing a mailbox? Yeah. (laughs) In a very lingering, deliberate shot. What do, what do I gain an hour and a half into a movie? That's the big revelation. So then, and the way that that, you know how you play a video game and you you don't realize that you've been you've been in the tutorial for seven hours because games are so fucking massive now. You don't realize you've been in it that long until all of a sudden you see the it's then it says Assassin's Creed and you're like that was the intro right that was the prologue yeah that's how I felt when by the after an hour and a half <laughs> it says Tin Cloverfield Lane. I think it, it's it's interesting that the the very end of this movie, the telltale tale end of this movie, hints at something much larger. And so, in a way, this is a prequel, but things have already happened. Like the first movie has already happened and spread out across the whole country, right? So yeah. it's not a prequel. <clears throat> it's not a proper sequel necessarily, but it seems to set up something. That ultimately the third movie, as far as I know, I haven't seen it, but it didn't deliver because they are just slapping Cloverfield on things. They're just yeah. putting, putting mailboxes in all the movies. Yeah, that's the that's it's the mailboxing of the American cinema that <laughs> I have questions about. Because in the Cloverfield paradox, from what I've read, once again, I did not see it, but from what I've read, the Cloverfield paradox, like they they're on a space station, they do something to create renewable energy because it's always the environmentalists that ruin everything and then they accidentally like get sucked into another dimension or something and then they somehow get back but then they accidentally have opened up all these dimensional portals that just drop aliens into you know in the planet so is that a prequel to everything i guess they're saying like that could be the way that that like jj abrams was rambling and in between cocaine and star wars like that that those are the ways that they could connect the stories i see is because the people in the netflix movie that nobody saw did something on a space station (laughs) now we're watching the movies that already happened okay so just that's just why i'm like but why is there no intention or thought going into the marketing of these well, this was, I read that they didn't even settle on the title of this movie until like a week before they released the trailer. Right. Because originally it was like the seller. Yeah. It was like top secret. Right. And then I remember when the trailer came out. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Overfield. And I had no intention of seeing it because I wasn't wild about the first one. But then word of, you know, word of mouth on this was pretty good. And uh, so I, I, I enjoy it. It's a, a good little thriller. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, in the end, I've talked I've talked mad shit with my questions, but in the end, I like the movie. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. But the Cloverfield, the Clo- Clover Fieldiverse is not uh, terribly cohesive or coherent. No, I don't know what the point is. Yeah, just brand recognition. Yeah, I guess J.J. Abrams just wanted something to call his monster movies. So, I mean, but put John Goodman in a movie and I'm there. Man, what an actor. He really is. Is He is so incredible in this movie. And in everything, let's be honest. I've never seen a bad performance from him. Or even a subpar performance. I think my personal favorite is John Goodman as the cycloptic Bible salesman in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Yeah. That just beats the <laughs> shit out of George Clooney. 
He's always great. He's incredible. Yeah, he's terrific in this. Because John Goodman, one, is the father of America. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks to his uh, esteemed time as Dan Connor on Roseanne. Oh, the best. Just the greatest sitcom dad ever. When Dan died the first time, <laughs> it was so sad. <laughs> and then the show got a little weird. But um, so then to take Amer- the beloved father of America and then make him the key source of discomfort and terror in this film, it's amazing. You know what I what my biggest takeaway, I think, was like, I, I do. I really enjoy this movie. <laughs> I enjoy reading about and learning about uh i enjoy the process of various forms of art being made you know what i mean like i will watch a documentary about a stand-up comedian talking about how they craft their comedy like i love i love the nuts and bolts of everything right she's process-based i'm a process gal uh and so i was reading just the other day about I haven't read the actual book, Save the Cat, but I was reading basically like a summary of it. Like, here's the uh, story beats from Save the Cat and examples of all of them and blah, blah, blah. And 10 Cloverfield Lane is exactly the story beat formula from Save the Cat. What? Which just proves that it, why it's a successful formula right because it works but going through like it's a 15 beat setup but it just follows that formula like to the fucking t to oh, the t and i was just i don't know it kind of blew me away that it was like oh yeah this formula works but also to watch the movie and just see that like it's kind of just like plugging in you know plugging things in to the formula i I uh, I f- feel, yes, that's absolutely true. That's fascinating. I did not know about the Save the Cat, and I'm obsessed now. <laughs> um, I kept, I, I, I felt like uh, the last time I saw something like this, well, okay, I have a lot of feelings. <laughs> Once again, I like this movie. I like that we have to keep reassuring ourselves that we do, in fact, like this movie. Um, I feel like the script is the... Well, I don't know that I would say the script is the weakest part, but I feel I, the script wears itself on its sleeve. So in terms of things being plugged in, it's it's so every single thing that happens or is said has a function somewhere in the script. Yes. It's you know? kind of all. Yeah. 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 Which, yes, all writing should be that way. Everything should be there to serve a function. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a fascist. I don't It's not how you have to do it. But typically... Everything has a point. It all ultimately builds to something. Um, but but I think typically you're also not supposed to see that. <laughs> it's, it shouldn't be laid bare. Yeah, so like, you know, oh, look at Mary Elizabeth Winstead. She wants to be a fashion designer. Oh, she's going to sew a survival suit. Or like, oh, you know how in the beginning of the movie, Stacy, she panics and runs from her relationship? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she says later how she always panics and runs. (laughs) Do you remember that? And then at the end of the movie, she doesn't panic and run. 
This is I, like can I I I actually went back after watching Cloverfield. I went back to the thing that I referenced and I fucking wrote down the story beats. Can we go through it? Can see? you please to educate me? I need to know everything. Okay. So it begins with now let's see. The character has a problem, a want, and a need, right? This is your hero. Yeah. The want is generally something tangible, whereas the need is something that is typically psychological. Okay. Okay. All right. So first, it begins with a single scene that acts as a glimpse into the character's status quo, the oh world God. before the story. Oh, my God. Sorry. I'm just going to keep <laughs> freaking out this whole time. So I'll read. Why don't I read these things and you tell us what happens in the movie that describes that? She Okay. So it opens. She, um, Mary Elizabeth Winstead is like, I'm not answering my phone, boyfriend, husband. And then she storms out of the house, takes all her things, and then she leaves. And then you see her keys and her wedding ring. This scene sets the tone, introduces a character and their flaws, and is a hook to begin the action. Second scene is a single scene about 5% of the way in. Like, this gets down into percentages. Oh my god! That introduces the hero's needs. I would say this is as she's driving away, and he's calling her. Yep. The ex, who's also played by Bradley Cooper. Yeah. The voice on the phone. (laughs) Yeah. And she doesn't pick up the phone. Right. Or she does pick it up, but she's like, she's like, she doesn't want to talk. And he's like, come back, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, "Mm, I'm going to get hit by a car instead. Yeah. Next is a multi-scene beat where we see the hero and she meets the supporting cast. It shows that change is inevitable and things cannot continue as they have been for the hero. And we line up dominoes to knock down later. Yeah, so she comes to underground. She meets the other guy, Emmett, that's also trapped underground with John Goodman, who has essentially trapped them down in his basement. There's a battle, battle, battle. And then suddenly we have a montage where they become happy family best friends. So we, well, okay, I think, all right. This is all part of that. The next one, number four, is there's a catalyst that shatters the character's status quo, which could be the car accident, waking up in the basement, life-changing events occur. Yep. Uh, five. Multiple scenes. Our lead character is resistant to change. (laughs) And the hero has to start deciding their next move. Am I going to go to the place? Am I ready to go to the place? This sort of thing. Uh, She keeps every time she begins to come up with a plan because she is ready to escape every single second. Because even though she panics and runs, she knows how to accomplish a task. And you know this because her task action theme starts playing <laughs> as she assembles all the things she needs to accomplish the task. And she keeps like she's burn she starts to burn the place down. She goes to stab John Goodman with crutches. She's like, she's gonna get out. Yes. Okay. Number six is the beginning of Act Two. Act one was a lot of the status quo. Act two is the upside down world of the status quo. However, our hero is still chasing their want and not their need. Right, right. So she's still into, like, the idea of escape, but she hasn't tackled her psychological problems yet. Yep. Number seven, we introduce a character who represents the B story. This could be a mentor, a love interest, or a nemesis. They must represent Act Two's upside-down world, and they must guide the hero toward their need. Oh, poor dead Emmett. Poor dead Emmett, right? Yep. It's insane. Because then he's like, yes. Yeah, because then they, they, they start talking. They're like, oh, everything's fine. Happy family. And then they realize it's not. And then he's going to help her figure out how to make that suit and get out. 
and get that gun. Uh, number eight takes up a good 30% of the story uh, and is probably the reason why people picked it up in the first place or started to watch it. We're kind of getting an idea in general if our hero is succeeding or failing in their task. Mm-hmm. Number nine, we're about halfway in and we see goals. Uh, we show a false victory. She mm-hmm. gets the keys from him and tries to escape, right? Yep. Uh, it's a false victory or a false defeat. Either way, the stakes are then raised. And it's the intersection of the A and B stories. So the stakes, like the love story will start to get heated. Time clocks will appear in the story. There's a game-changing plot twist, which I think is she tries to escape and finds out that, you know, yeah, things really are out, fucked up out there. And John Goodman has been telling the truth. Yeah, Leslie Melterface. That's right. That's right. There's a big moment where the protagonists announce that they are now their act two self and they have ditched their dull act one self. Uh, number 10, multiple scenes that goes in the opposite direction of what we all just saw. So the false of the false victory is revealed There's hope after the false defeat, that sort of thing. And our character is continuing to work towards their internal needs. This is the happy family. I think we're alone now. Yes. We're all unified. Everything is fine. We're watching VHS and laughing and having a good time. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. 11. A single scene. This is rock bottom. All is lost. Very bad things happen. The circumstances are so terrible that our hero must do what is needed. This is when the air generator shuts down and she has to crawl through an air duct, which no, thank you. Yeah. And she, while she resets the generator, she says, oh, what's up with this ladder to escape? And she looks and there's the word help scrawled into the glass with like a nail that was eventually bloodied. Followed by, she she leads the, the trail of blood to an earring from what she thought was Megan, John Goodman's long-lost daughter, who is actually, it turns out, the young girl that went missing in town two years ago that Emmett knows. This leads us into the next point, 12, which is multiple scenes. Uh, and the ca- instead of reacting to the catalyst with debate, which would be her, you know, is there something going on outside? Is there not going something going on outside? They are now reacting to... All is lost. So she and Emmett are like, oh, fuck. John Goodman is actually crazy and kidnapping people. We have to get out of here. Yep. Uh, Maybe they return to act one, meet an old friend, seek familiarity. What does she do? She designs her fucking hazmat suit. Because she was, she says, remember this? I got an idea. And she shows him her drawing from act one. However, it's not just comfort things have changed there's also the realization that they've been avoiding the real problem the internal need all along oh she's gotta be real with herself number 13 this epiphany from this realization leads us into act three the breakthrough i am flawed but now that i know my weaknesses that i've discussed in detail with Emmett, i can fix them (laughs) I can fix my weaknesses, right? Number 14, multi-scene finale. 
you gather the team together. That's her and Emmett, like deciding to work together because John Goodman's crazy and they have to get out of there. They put the suit together, all of this. That's number two, executing the plan. Number three, the high tower surprise. Things don't go as planned and the stakes are raised again. John Goodman's like, hey, can you guys help me move this giant vat of acid? And then he shoots Emmett in the face. That's right. (laughs) So there's your surprise. Things don't go as planned. Number four, dig deep down. The need is no longer holding our hero back. Instead, it's helpful. And then that leads to the execution of a new plan. Now she can panic and run away for good. That's right. She uh, is still sad over Emmett. She finds his, you know, his wallet and all of this. But then she remembers the things that Emmett didn't do in his life that he wanted to do. And she thinks about the things that she didn't do in her life that she wants to do. And now she has more courage to get out of here. Yeah. Plus John Goodman shaved and it's weird. And then number 15 is our final image of the movie, a single scene mirroring the first scene that shows exactly how much our hero and the hero's life have changed. Now, having escaped, blown up John Goodman and survived a battle with an alien and a giant alien mothership beast octopus, she she is driving away and then she hears on the radio there's people in houston that need help and then we see a road sign that says houston and then she's like i'm gonna go that way and then she drives off towards giant space monster in houston yeah the sign is literally like and the radio it's like this way to baton rouge this way to houston like it's this obvious this way to baton rouge this way to houston the radio says oh, there's people surviving and, and you know, rebuilding in Baton Rouge, but we really need help in Houston. <laughs> <laughs> so she takes a left and goes to Houston, whereas before she was incapable of helping, she would have gone to Baton Rouge. Yeah. So you see, 10 Cloverfield Lane exactly fucking follows that formula. Yes, 100%. It's a successful formula. This is, so watching the film, yeah, it, I felt this weird, was it cognitive dissonance? I don't think so. But it was. I felt this weird sense of like, I really like this movie. It's very well made. The acting is stellar. Uh, John Goodman is great. The breathing alone is terrifying. And I, I'm vibing. However, I can see the function of every single thing that's happening in the script. And I don't know how I feel about that. Every single thing in the movie, from lines of dialogue to actual things in the movie, it's all Chekhov's gun. Absolutely. It's the last time I saw some, I think this other film that I'm about to reference does it on an even uh, more frequent scale. But the last time I saw a movie like this, where I was like, literally like every sentence that is spoken (laughs) is demonstrated through an action later, uh, but fall. Mm-hmm. which actually is also a great movie and terrifying like oh i loved that one yeah the most uh, oh god i'm starting to sweat just thinking about it I, I saw that in the theater and i literally as we stepped out of the theater i slipped and out of my flip-flops because i was sweating so much 
Yeah, I have never been so riddled with anxiety watching a film. It is just so they, these two girls climb an abandoned radio tower, and it is so well shot. Like the cinematography is fantastic, <sighs> and the, the the choice of shots and everything. It is probably the most nerve wracking experience I've ever had with a movie. For real, it's it's I. It was the feeling that I had like watching Rear Window for the first time as a child. Yeah. Where I'm just like, I'm going to die. Yeah. Grace Kelly, get out of there. I'm going to die. Fall was that times one million. For like almost the entire runtime. Because they're like, we have a good idea. Let's mourn <laughs> death and grieve together by climbing a one million foot tall rusted stick. <laughs> and then rusted stick breaks and they're stuck on rusted stick forever and then you're like well what could be worse than being stuck at the top of rusted stick i don't know fucking vultures <laughs> flying at you and trying to kill you and bite you and knock you over oh yeah and you have to eat and you have to pee and you can't get surfing and you what oh i'm sweating yeah. i'm so it's upset. a good one i do highly recommend that movie I, I do too it's a good also they deep faked the entire movie because they shot it for an r and then they realized oh that was a mistake we want people to come see the movie because nobody sees movies anymore so then they deep faked everything so people say what the frick <laughs> As they're like hanging from a rusted stick so yes fall is a great movie highly recommend it however Every single thing that happens in the movie, there is a correlating plot point or piece of dialogue all the way through. So, like, for example, um, oh, no, I'm stuck on top of Rusted Stick and my telephone is dead, but I need to try to make a call. How am I going to get my phone to work? Oh, now I remember that when I went to the diner earlier in the movie, my friend showed me how to unplug a lamp in the diner and plug my iPhone charger directly into the the, la- the lamp itself. And now that same rule applies to rusted stick engineering and electrician work. It's just that kind of thing. And Clover, Tin Cloverfield Lane is is also that uh, all the way through. <laughs> Yeah, it's. It, I think Clover. I think Cloverfield suffers in terms of the characters, particularly Michelle, the Mary Elizabeth Winstead character, who, when you are nothing but uh, a means to advance the plot, basically, even as the lead character, it's like we know that she was an abused as a child, got into probably an abusive relationship. Uh, I get. I don't know. I, I. I think Mary Elizabeth Winstead. I like her a lot. I love her. Um, but she has to do in this a lot of uh, think acting. She does yes. a lot of reacting. So we, what we see is her thinking about something. And she, I think she does a great job. I think that's really difficult to make interesting for the audience as an actor. And I think she yeah. does it. No, I think it's a good role for her, too. Yeah. But we don't really get a handle on her as a character like she doesn't have a lot to say she likes clothes yeah (laughs) that's about it and that's that's just to service the plot it's you know what i mean it's it's only like how is she gonna create a hazmat suit she could never do that she could if she liked clothes (laughs) (laughs) 
you know <laughs> it's strange in that it does feel like Emmett and um John Goodman Howard uh, yeah Howard thank you feel would it be great if he just played him it just said John Goodman as himself <laughs> yeah. um but Howard and Emmett feel more they have a little more backstory in terms of something concrete yeah they're they're more they're, they're very every character is kind of elusive because we only see these people in this moment that they're dropped into together due to John Goodman abducting them well except for Emmett who apparently just knocked and was let in but but it feels like through the elusiveness we get more glimpses of who Emmett and Howard really are and Howard should be elusive because you know it likes to play with the whole of what are his motivations yeah what's really happening what's really happening so it makes sense that he's kind of contradictory and you know we take a, a lot of 90 degree turns with him yeah um but and you know Emmett has his story about the being a football star or whatever and blah 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 but michelle it's like the boyfriend thing is really just to get her out of the house <laughs> it's like an yeah. excuse to get her on the road yeah um the child abuse childhood and moment where she failed to save another child from it is only an excuse to get her to drive to houston at the end and like get out of the house basically get out of the bunker i don't know she does that none of them really feel like real people yeah because they are, especially her, they are just kind of composed of plot devices. Well, they're functions. Everything is a function. Yeah. Once again, I like this movie. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I so do I. Like, it's a very enjoyable to watch. All this does, like I said earlier, is prove that the formula is a formula for a reason because it yeah. works. But that's that's the thing is it's it's so weird. It it I, I'm really interested diving into this as um as people who are also writers and concerned with plot and story. But like it's there's a it's so interesting to try to figure it out how it, how it can work, but also it doesn't fully succeed in its in in how it gets there. Versus there's other stories where they feel so much more human or organic or uh mysterious in terms of we don't know exactly the track that we're gonna follow but tin cloverfield lane tells you every step of the way exactly what's happening but the other films like tar tar is also just symbols and devices put together to achieve feeling in the part of the viewer but i think it's i think it's the difference between plot and story and uh-huh. Cloverfield Lane, 10 Cloverfield Lane is plot driven, whereas anything that is story driven, story comes from characters. Plot is what happens. Yes. And action, Clo action, action. Yeah. And versus this, feeling. this movie is solely concerned with plot, really. And the characters are only there to serve the plot. That's entirely it. That's very astute. You know, that's the difference. And it, mm -hmm. I think that's. I don't know. This is a good plot. This is a good, you know, it's a it's a very entertaining film. Yeah, it still works. But it's just there's something about it that's a little there isn't subtlety. Right. There isn't I don't know what subtlety you would need in a Cloverfield film, but there isn't um a a 
deep Maya Darren came nowhere near this. <laughs> like, there's <laughs> there's no mystery dream world. Uh, Emmett says, "Oh, you think Howard's wacky? You should hear him talk about mutant space worms." And at the end of the movie, we see mutant space worms. <laughs> you know, everything has to be demonstrated, right? And I think it's I think it's also contrasting with the fact that this is a very intimate film i mean it's in a bunker with three characters and i think mm-hmm. it relies on the strength of those three actors for sure yes um but that kind of setting and tone and all of that cries out for like character drama but when everything is a plot contrivance there i think there's a kind of a dissonance there yeah yeah you know the part a part where i really kind of and it was tricky because i'm like why am i siding with why am i enjoying this guy but um mary elizabeth winstead has you know she's had a couple action she started to have some thoughts and figured out some plans then we hear her action music as she she assembles her tasks and sets the thing on fire or uses the iv to grab her phone she's already done that stuff a couple times and then she realizes as as the formula demonstrates she realizes that she's going to be stuck there for a little while and then she sees a change in john goodman's character he becomes a little humanized in how he talks to her when he talks about megan who is no longer with us and she says oh is she your daughter and they have an exchange i mean it's all a lie on his part i mean well the photo that he shows her is not real it's the woman that he abducted previously who he ultimately killed we're guessing but there's just a moment where I'm like, oh, look at look at these two actors playing people getting to know each other. And it's really nice. Yeah. I'm really into that, where people just talk. Right. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I think that's that's character. That's a character-driven moment. Yes. Versus a, a plot device in dialogue with another plot device. Yeah. Ultimately, it is a plot device just because of the photo and, you know. Ultimately, it is. But the way it is, uh, the way it plays out is like they give the characters a little room to breathe and a little room to develop. Yeah. Rather than just like, yes, I have a daughter. You know, and so (laughs) they get to to be two humans having a conversation. Yeah, and it's tricky because the the, the woman who has been abducted by the man who doesn't trust the man suddenly is looking at him and wanting to know more. And then she might offer like the the shred of a smile in hearing him talk about his daughter. And that's a humanizing moment. It's nice. But it, yeah, you're right. It is ultimately also to serve another plot to show that that actually was not the case. And she will be another Megan, which she then becomes... Um, mommy's baby in the end yeah i don't know it's like it's this for a cloverfield movie i mean i wonder i i only saw this because of the word of mouth i was not invested in the cloverfield franchise or whatever but i i think i wonder how people reacted when it's like you get a little alien action in the last five minutes if people just kind of felt like Oh, there it is. Oh, it's over. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And and you you think like, oh, the, you know, these aliens have, are kind of wiping us out and we're, you know, on the run and on the brink. And she just throws one Molotov cocktail at one of them, a huge one and takes it out. Yeah. 
So you'd think the armed forces could do something against these aliens. I mean, a tank versus, like, isn't what's the difference between throwing a Molotov cocktail and shooting a missile? <laughs> yeah. 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 So I do, but I do like it. I do like that, you know, okay, you think John Goodman is lying, but because I know this is Cloverfield, I know that there is really aliens out there. Mm-hmm. But then you have peely face woman who shows up so you're like oh something's going on like that's a great scene you know oh, it's so good and so it's like oh maybe it is airborne like whatever and so i do appreciate that like it keeps changing and the stakes get raised and on in all of this it's just you know yeah i appreciate it yeah yeah i i do i i, I liked the what is actually happening the, the constant back and forth because I also think when people are in insane situations, like this is actually in like a certifiably insane situation. But when you're in one, you try to find the sanity in it. Because that's how a lot of people function <laughs> is you're trying to find a one to one correlation and make sense of it and understand it and how to experience it and move through it, move beyond it. But that's impossible when you're in an insane situation because logic does not apply. So they keep trying to, and then it's like, okay, well, no, this is he's, ultimately he's actually going to kill us all. Uh, and things are awful. But I, I do love that interplay. It's very, but see, but now, now I'm thinking about the ending again. She Molotov cocktails space squid bomb. And then the person on the radio re- keeps repeatedly saying, and you see Mary Elizabeth Winstead doing her think acting in response to the radio <laughs> voice. She says, if you have medical or combat experience, yeah, and you know Michelle is thinking in her head. You know, in her mind, she has two thought bubbles, and one has a, a gif of her throwing a Molotov cocktail into a space squid, and the other, the medical experience, is her sewing up John Goodman's head. <laughs> and she's like, "Yes, I do have medical and combat experience from one example of each." And because I'm changed from Act One, I'm not going to drive towards safety. I'm going to drive towards the danger and help. And if you don't know that I'm driving towards it, let me show you this road sign and the giant space squid mother in the in the distance. <laughs> yeah. Also, voice on the radio, like we get voice on the phone is uh, Bradley Cooper, like we said. Voice on the radio is Sumali Montano, who, if you're a video game nerd, you probably know Sumali Montano. She is in everything. She's in like every Bioware game she's in destiny she's yeah she's a big voice actress i love that they said we need a good actor that can make mary elizabeth winstead think (laughs) that's right that's right not that that's hard to do like she's i like mary elizabeth i'm not saying she can't think i'm saying (laughs) i love that this is one of those shows where we have to keep saying like no but i did like the movie this is the disclaimer episode yeah it happens yeah It's really enjoyable. Uh, One thing I will do while we're talking about this movie is uh, recommend another movie that just came. I think it finally came out earlier this month. Um, I reviewed it for Rumorg and it immediately brought to mind 10 Cloverfield Lane, uh, a movie called Daughter. Daughter. Daughter, which is a small independent movie uh, starring Casper Van Dien. Oh, of Nexium. Yeah. And it's really a great role for him because he gets to act versus like, you know, he has kind of fallen into the like direct to video sort of thing. And we yeah. all loved him in Starship Troopers, obviously. We did. We did. 
Um, but I think he gets to really show his chops in this movie. That's amazing. Casper Van Dien, comma, actor. Yes. Oh, uh, he's got a beard. You'll love it, Anthony. He has a beard? Yeah, he's all rugged looking. Yeah. He's kind of grizzled now. He's in his grizzled era. Oh, this is my favorite thing. When it, but Timothy Oliphant, grizzled. Yeah. Uh, Casper <laughs> Van Dien, grizzled. I'm just, oh my God. Yeah, so it's a small uh, independent film. Uh, this guy who's kind of cobbled together his own religion and is constructing his own family. This is Casper Van Dien. He's the patriarch. And he kidnaps this young Asian American woman. And he's like, you're the daughter now. And he's got wife and he's got son. And he says that son, like something is happening. The air outside is toxic. Like there's an environmental disaster going on. And son is the key to solving it. He's like immune. He's going to like his, the son's genes are going to fix this. And it's kind of like the wife is also Asian. Um, Like the movie really speaks to the amount of, Asian women, Asian American women who disappear and get trafficked yeah. and all of this. And like the two women will like speak Vietnamese to each other and we don't get translations. Oh, that's great. And then the daughter's trying to find a way out and the son doesn't know what's going. It's really, really good. Wow. When is that from? Uh it just came out. I think it finally released earlier this month. Okay. Oh wow. It's brand, yeah, it's brand new. Wow. Okay. Daughter. Daughter. I highly, see rec- this. highly, highly recommend it. I didn't even know Gaspar Van Dien was really much of an actor beyond just like a dreamboat. I didn't either until I saw this. It's like, oh, look at him. I'm so happy for him with this little meaty little role. That's so exciting. Oh, wow. So definitely check that out. Yeah. I don't know if it's streaming anywhere or what, but that's a good one. So, And it's oh. kind of the small character drama that 10 Cloverfield Lane isn't. Yeah, interesting. But on the surface of it, there's definitely similarities in terms of, you know, the setup. Kind yeah. Of yeah. Well, well, with the basement stories, you know, there's there's always going to be overlap. Oh, yeah. There's always overlap with the basement stories. That was my question for you. Basement families, yes or no? <laughs> <laughs> um, I need further clarification of what yes or no is just yes or no are we into it or not do i want want one of my own (laughs) i don't know they're a little analogous to wall people in a way yeah yeah do i want to be abducted and forced into a basement family i don't know thank you No. no that's a no that's gonna be a no do i want to kidnap people and force them to be in my basement family Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> now that I'm not giving it out right now. Let's <laughs> just, uh, I'm just going to call the FBI quick. <laughs> I like this movie. <laughs> she said again. I said it again. <laughs> Affirming her stance once more. Right. I like it too. Do you think, and it, I think it does need the aliens at the end. I think that funk, that works. Yeah. I don't know what the movie would be if she escaped and then she just like breathes normal air and everything's normal and fine and Melted Woman wasn't a thing and I don't know what the point would be necessarily but the movie told me that it has a point and that it's that she drives towards Houston. But it, it works, I think. It works. It's it Like you said, once again, it just shows that the formula works. 
it's just funny to me when we can see it so plainly <laughs> and our brains still say, oh, but story happened. <laughs> and so we accept it. Well, I think the real skill comes with being able to take the formula and make it not so obvious, you know? Yeah, to embody it or to shake it the way that the story is told enough that you say, what? what's happening? Ooh. I guess if anything, I just wish that when she hit the mail, I'll say she can still hit the mailbox. I just wish we didn't get the shot of the tin Cloverfield lane <laughs> on the mailbox because it was so dumb. <laughs> well, how else would you know that the like one house in the movie, you know, that the address in the title was going to refer to the one house we see? <laughs> how would you ever make that connection, Anthony, unless we saw the mailbox? And it's the name of the movie. <laughs> a good movie we stand by it i stand by it stand by it love john goodman oh yeah acid is scary oh yeah i do like it when he comes back after the acid and he's like oh and he's all burnt and mutant (laughs) all total recalled yeah Yeah! trying to get her through the vents yeah it's good he's a good movie monster i also i do wish cannibal airlines was a real movie well, there is that, uh, there's that zombies on a plane. Oh, oh, oh. What um, was that called? Uh, uh. From like 2008 or something? Fl- Flight of the Living Flight Dead. Flight of the Living Dead, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, Jason showed me that one. <laughs> <laughs> I remember it being fun. It was very stupid. Um, Stacy! Mm. With all of that said... <laughs> Are you ready to go into a little uh, bonus round? Yeah! Bonus! <laughs> under this is the this is the GeoCities under construction gift <laughs> part of the show. Yeah. Yes. There's the, the the tape, the yellow tape. Yeah, yeah, there's a little a little a man. It could be a woman with a shovel and a hard hat. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I'm. Th- this is the '90s. I'm all about multiculturalism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, like we said last week, that we're changing it up so that the the final segment on the show isn't going to be the same thing every week. It's uh, so we still titled kind of to be determined. Maybe with I do like bonus round. I like bonus round. Uh, no theme song yet. But what will it be week to week? It could be the chopping block. It could be the great value pyramid. It could be a listener question. It could be a question we have for each other. We don't know. So we we still are figuring out how to get there. And thank you for bearing, uh, pardoning our dust, as it were. However, today, today, Stacey, we're going back to a, a little old faithful. <gasps> mm-hmm. Are you ready to place your head on the chopping block? Oh, yeah, man! Ooh, the chopping block! It's our question and answer game here on Gaylords of Darkness, in which... Oh, no, now I'm starting to remember the pyramid lines that I just learned. (laughs) (laughs) In which we present... Three categories of horror movie trivia to the other. Uh, one of us chooses our category of trivia. We are then forced to answer 
five questions with 10 seconds to answer each question unless I call out or unless we call out, I want the wig in which Jamie Lee Curtis's wig from the 1981 film, She's Back, Baby. Halloween 2 descends upon your head and confuses our non-binary executioner, the heads they, earning you an additional 10 seconds to answer just that question. If you get all of them right, you are a winner. And, and that's all you are, because we don't have prizes. But if you get any of them wrong at any moment, you're dead. Just in case you forgot. Right. I did kind of forget that we only have 10 seconds. It's insanity. That's that's not a long time. No, and we only have one wig. Right. Who went first last time? Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, sure. Now let's flip a coin. Do you have a coin? No. I I have a I have my my palm stone crystal. Um, there's an imperfection on one side. Do you want to be imperfect, imperfect or perfect? Well, I don't want to be imperfect, but I sure am. I am only as God made me, so I'll take the imperfect side. Okay. Let's see. Let's see who won. Imperfect! Hey! Imperfect is heads. Okay. You, uh, does that mean you answer? I don't know. <laughs> I think that's what the, you mean. That's what it means. So your category, Stacey, I busted out old ass categories. Okay. It's hot. There's a heat wave on this side of the manor. So I, I said, no. So you get, you get these three returning categories. Your returning categories are Master Rackus of Horror. That's okay. right. It's all about the filmography of our favorite filmmaker, Miko Masterakis. <laughs> Uh, next category is Orphan Family Tree. These are all about horror movies starring the cast of the Orphan Cinematic Universe. Okay. And your third and final category is 1993, the darkest year of horror <laughs> the world has ever known. And I mean, it doesn't get darker than this, baby. Because you have 50 seconds to name five horror films that came out in 1993. Your categories are Master Actors of Horror, Orphan Family Tree, or uh, fuck 1993. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously I'm going to go for the Orphan Family Tree. Hell yeah! Okay. I'm nervous. All right, you have 10 seconds. Oh god, okay. All right, well, in that case, are you ready? Yes. Great. Question one. Julia, f excuse me, <laughs> question one. Julia Stiles finds herself facing off with another adopted tiny terror in this 2006 remake. The Omen. Yes, ding, ding, ding. Number two, Isabel Furman does not play a murderous dwarf in this 2016 Stephen King adaptation starring John Cusack. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh, oh, uh, no. Die with the wig! Uh, uh-oh, um, uh, 2016, Stephen King? I don't know. I don't know. What came out then? Oh, the fart, no. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> the answer was the fart. <laughs> I was gonna say the farm one. But then I remember that was Thomas Jane, I think. Now, if I had said John Cusack and Samuel L. Jackson. Oh, 1408? No, believe it or not, there's another one. It was Cell. I forgot that that actually was ever a movie. <laughs> it, 
Did it come out? Did And you're telling me it came out the same year as 10 Cloverfield Lane? Because I thought it came out in like 2009. I don't think I even knew that it actually came out. <laughs> Does the movie sell Does actually it exist? exist? Are we sure? <laughs> I don't know that it exists. Honestly, the way that everything is going today in my brain. <laughs> yeah. This could all be fraudulent. Wow. <laughs> Well, I'm so sorry. Your your head has never <laughs> from your body. You know what? That's okay. That's okay. But in the process, you learned that Cell was a movie that happened. So. Yeah. Well, I remembered reading about it. I read the book. Yeah, I read the book. And I remember reading Eli Roth, right? Was supposed to... Did he direct it? He was supposed to. It was originally going to be an Eli Roth because that... I think the book came out right around... Well, like 2006 or something around the same time of like Hostel. Yeah. And so everyone, he was the hot new thing in horror. And so it's going to be Eli Roth. And then it got trapped in development hell forever. And then I think what really happened was people just realized the only thing the book has going for that is the introduction. Yeah. Or the, you know, the prologue. Yeah. <sighs> oh, well, I'm dead. <laughs> All right. I have wiped the blood from the chopping block. It is now your turn to place your head on it for these categories. <gasps> See if you notice a theme at all. I think one of them is old. One of them is revamped, like new questions. And one of them is brand new. Oh. So see if you notice a theme with these, okay? Category one. EJ called Mamamoo Consorte. <gasps> Which means Mamamoo concert is coming soon. Oh, I love it. Uh, in this category, I will give you the titles of three Mamamoo songs that point to a movie title. Oh, so good. This is the revamped category. I love this so one. So I give you three, three, the names of three Mamamoo songs, and you tell me what movie I'm describing. Oh. Titles. Second category is Mori Oke. Mood up. Hip, of course. Hell yes. I got a tear because I'm legit so excited for when they start singing hip. Yeah. This category is all about uh, dismemberment scenes. <laughs> <laughs> In horror movies. Because Moriake Mood up is head, shoulder, knees. And so this is all about famous dismemberment scenes. Because those things, those can come apart. That's right. They are all body parts. Yep. Okay, and the third category is the returning category, and that is, I say, Mama Moonbyal, in which you have 50 seconds or 60 seconds, if you ask for the wig, to name five movies that have the word moon in the title. Oh, 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 ah. That's actually tough. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> so your categories are EJ ko Mama Moon Konsotu, Mori Ake Murup, and I say Mama Moonbyal. Well, I love these. I can't for the life of me discern a theme. But I think <laughs> I really want to go with the... Uh... Oh, I was going to say it. And I don't... EJ Kot Mama Concert. Yes, I want that. Please. I, I need that. I love this. Okay. I think these... I think you'll get these. I think I did a, a decent enough job to... Mm. So the three song titles kind of point to a movie describe it kind of well i mean it's not like they have songs that are like 
Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees, you know what I mean? The Fog. Right. (laughs) So you'll get them. You'll get them. Great. I think you'll get them. Just just make sure your mind is expanded, okay? Well, we're fucked. Okay. Here you go. Do you take a sip of your weed juice and expand your mind? Thank you. Okay. Are you ready? Oh, boy, am I ever. Okay. Number one. Cat fight. Friday night. Hello, mama. Carrie? (laughs) (laughs) That would have been a good... That that could apply, I think. But no, I was looking for Friday the 13th. Oh, Friday! (laughs) Yeah, I thought Friday night. I I was like... I was like, well, you know, when they're throwing the tampons at her, that's that's like a cat, fight, but not really. But you know, maybe the, oh, the prom must have been on a Friday. Well, okay. Oh no! Well, you know what. In celebration of the approaching rapture, I say we go through the rest of them. And yes, you're dead, but... It's only fair to Mama Moo. It's only fair to Mama Moo. Okay, they, wherever they are right now, they can sense what's happening here in the manor. Do I still get to answer them despite my massive failure? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and I'll start the clock, too. Oh, I'm so excited. Okay, number two. Here we go. Where are you? Where are we now? Self-camera. Um, well, that's obviously a found footage. Uh, that's a... Outwaters? Oh my god, Anthony. (laughs) Blair Witch Project! Oh my god! That's the first one that came to mind for found footage? <laughs> well, I'm going to tell Heather. Well, because I know. No, no, don't With do it. With the most iconic self-camera don't, shots. Don't do it. And the it subgenre. Was, it was the where are we now. It was, I was thinking temporal time because then I, because I thought Blair Witch and then I thought, well, no, it's not the Blair Witch Project because that's time change difference. And that would be the the new Blair Witch. But then for some reason, my mind didn't say the new Blair Witch where they're stuck in a time loop. It said the Outwater. That's what, that's what the brain gave me. Okay. I only have what I'm working with. Maybe your brain is a little too open. I would like to remind everyone it is a heat wave. <laughs> and I'm very warm. All right, number three. Let's see if you get any of these. (laughs) Maybe these are too esoteric. I don't know. Okay, they made sense to me, but then again, I'm on the inside. I got as far as found footage and I didn't choose the the ultimate and my favorite. So there we go. (laughs) Okay, number three. Sky Sky, Mr. Ambiguous, Decalcomani. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, Decaltamani means 
you like stickers, right? <laughs> Mr. Ambiguous stickers and sky. Well, like mirroring stickers. It's copies. Oh, oh, Mr. Ambiguous sky stickers. Annihilation? Close. It's the thing. Oh. Because <laughs> the ship came from the sky. Because it came from the sky? Do you even see that in the movie? Yes, it's over the title sequence. Oh, you're right. I've never been this bad at the game. Okay, maybe these are terrible. I don't know. I don't it's, think it's, they're it's, terrible. I think I don't have a functioning functions. Also, we haven't done the chopping, but we haven't been on the block in quite some time. So I'm, so used to, zone. I'm so used to screaming answers in, over the span of 50 whole seconds instead of 10 individual moments of terror. All right, number four. Ugh. Wanna be myself, Starry Night, Waggy. Waggy. Wanna be myself, Starry Night, Waggy. Wag. There's a dog. Kujo's not a knight. <laughs> Wanna be myself. Wanna be myself, Starry Night, Waggy. I don't know. <laughs> what is this? An American werewolf in London. Waggy, because it's a werewolf. Yeah. Starry he wants to be, he just wants to be himself. Now, th- these are a little esoteric. <laughs> <laughs> I'm no longer taking it on. <laughs> it's not just me. No, it's not just you. <laughs> All right, the fifth one. This these is are the good, one. though. This is the one I thought you'd have problems with. Oh, yes. this I is thought the this, one? I thought this would be the tough one, yeah. Yeah. Okay, here we go. In my dreams, good night, paint me. Paint me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's not Friday the 13th. That's paint me. <laughs> Nobody dreams and don't go in the woods. Paint me. Wait. Don't. Wait. What was it? Starry. No. In my dreams. Good night. In my dreams. Good night. Paint. Paint me. In my dreams. Dreams. Good night. Paint me. Messiah of evil. No. What is it? The Slayer. Oh. Oh. See these. Nightmare on Elm Street, but she paints the guy. She but paints she all paints. the scenes. This yeah. is this is this these all track. Yeah. These are very well done. You did good work. It's tough though. It's Especially tough. And I'm just seconds. not my brain doesn't work anymore. And it's kind of like three keywords that aren't perfect for the you know what I mean? Oh, but I love it. It's fun though. All good songs. All great bobs. So there you go. Oh wow. Well I we're both dead. I died five times. Yeah. <laughs> I set a new chopping block record. That is a new record. The rapture arrived a little earlier than we anticipated for both of us. <laughs> and in an entirely different fashion. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's okay. Wow. This is, is this, is this bonus round going to kill us every time because we're not going to be in the groove ever? Yeah, you're not in the zone. So we need to just ask each other questions because those, that's just real chill. You know? <laughs> it's so easy. Yeah. 
We forgot the terror of the chopping block. The terror! But it's nice to feel again. It it is. I've been so numb. We've been so numb. We got so used to it. Yeah. Well, we'll see next week, which is the final week before the rapture. We'll be back to talk about something else that's uh, doomsday related. Oh, yeah. Fully in line. Yeah, yeah. Uh, until then, of course, gaylordsofdarkness.com. You can find all our old episodes. You can find links to our social media. So we'll see you next time. Wow, for a haunted tome made out of skin, it's so loosely structured, yet informative. I know, right? Is it over? It's glowing and spinning on its own, so I'm gonna guess yes. Ah, Oh oh my my god! God. Oh my god! Tune in next time for more Gaylords of Ha, ha, ha.